Hello and welcome once again to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. My name is Richard Gazer, and as always, I am pleased and I'm honored to be your host and your commentator for another of our commentary shows, one of the shows that we have up on air and online 24-7 here at www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com. You can pick us up as either a podcast or as what we call a radio loop. We uniquely call, and I, I, I venture to say that, uniquely call a radio loop, which is to say that if you hit the second link on our homepage at www.centralfttalkradio.com, the second link, which clearly says it's a link to a radio loop, you will pick up this show, the show that you're listening to right now, and you may have done it, so, you know, I'm just explaining, uh, explaining your past to you. Um, you'll pick it up at whatever point it is running in the loop that it is running in on a separate computer here in the studio dedicated strictly to running that show again and again so that you get the, the analog experience of turning on a radio show, much as you would uh, would have back in the in the in the 50s or 60s or 70s, I suppose, before uh, the internet and social media and certainly podcasting became all pervasive and the vehicle that people used to listen to whatever they wanted to listen or or see uh, of a uh, of a talk nature. Uh, when uh, at the time, before the time, no, sorry, after the time that you were basically wedded to whatever the schedule was uh, that was put out by your local broadcast uh, or, uh, well, there wasn't much online. There wasn't much cable. It was coming along, but you were wedded to schedules that someone else put out there. And with uh, podcasts, of course, and even with our radio loop, you're not. You simply come and join us at your leisure, at your desire, whenever you think it would be a good time to listen in to Center Left Radio. We're here waiting for you at all times. Uh, if you've been, well, first of all, let me just throw a date out here. It's the 22nd of July. Uh, here in the lower Hudson Valley, uh, we are in, what is it now? Is it the fourth day, fifth day? I think of the fourth day of a heat wave. Uh, and this is going to be a, a rather, na it's been a nasty one already. Uh, it'll extend until at least Sunday or Monday. We'll have nearly gone through a full six or seven days of 90 degree plus weather, a number of them with really heavy thunderstorms, uh, some of them with humidity that's been unbelievable. Nat naturally, uh, you know, as, 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 uh, as the gremlins of life and fate would have it, uh, <laughs> I, had the, I, I had an unprecedented thing happen uh, with my Honda Civic, the one that I'm driving right now, and I've had, we've had a bunch of these. Uh, nothing goes wrong with a Honda Civic, by the way, if you have it on a three-year lease. They don't. That's why you have it on a three-year lease. It drives beautifully. It's a great car, and nothing goes wrong, except, except that two days ago, as the worst of the heat wave was hitting us, suddenly I noticed the car would not cool down. 
and I became aware of the fact that there was cool air coming out of the right side of the dashboard vents for the air conditioning and hot air blowing out of the left. And, 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 and that told me that, well, something's wrong here. I went online, There's a, there was a clear statement of what the problem was and the nice people at Honda finally yesterday were nice enough uh, to fix the whole thing for me uh, for free. I think they, they actually rep replaced a, uh, uh, a condenser. Uh, is it a compressor or a condenser? Whatever, it's, whatever, whatever happens in an air-conditioned unit that basically uh, turns, gets rid of the heat, and allows the cold to flow back in through the tubing, and I'm not going to get into it. But they did it and, it, and it works nicely. But my concern is that this happened at all. Never, ever in the time that I've had Hondas have I ever had a problem with anything of significance I mean, you know, maybe a battery might go dead, a tire goes flat, whatever, you know. But never anything as fundamental as air conditioning going out. And, and I hope it's simply the exception that proves the rules. I'm still a Honda guy. But uh, one, one has to wonder, uh, because I was told by our local service person over here that, oh, they, there's been a lot of this going around lately uh, with Hondas. Huh. Well, something else to add to my list, but it was taken care of free of cost. Thank you, Honda, for that. It is also Friday, as I, I think I said, Friday, the 22nd of July. And it being Friday, it being like most Fridays, David Bach will be joining us in our second segment. So please, uh, for you Bach fans, and there are many of you, uh, please stick around, and, and David will add his, uh, his inimitable uh, views and, and twists and, and style uh, to the current political wranglings of which there are many, and uh, I look forward to hearing them. But before we all have a chance to listen to David, I, I just want to... Well, I'm going to go with the obvious today. Uh, I, I, I could go for some esoteric topic, but... Uh, why try that when, when there's something, uh, there is, a, there is a, uh, an 800-pound gorilla or an elephant or whatever it is you want to call it in the room, and I shall, uh, and I shall recognize it in this set of comments here in this first segment. Uh, the ninth, was it the ninth hearing or the eighth hearing last night? The, the second primetime hearing of the January 6th committee, every one of which has been the visual and audio equivalent of a page turner. It has been, the, the, these, uh, these hearings have been expertly and, and, and thoughtfully produced. They have cumulatively made an absolutely unavoidable point, that point being that Donald was and remains the central and, in many ways, the sole reason for what happened at the Capitol on January 6th. Uh, he has been the hub in the hub and spokes 
of a conspiracy to overthrow a duly uh, certified election, a presidential election. He is as guilty as sin. He is as culpable as anyone could possibly be for crimes and is prosecutable uh, 20 ways to Sunday. There is and can be no question about that just based on what we have uh, from the January 6th committee. And it all comes from the mouths of Republicans and people who were close to Donald Trump. There are no Democratic uh, shouts and screams of, of vengeance and hatred and Trump mania, whatever the hell uh, his, his sycophants might want want to call it. That's not there. What's there for uh, with the committee is simply statements of what those around Trump saw as he was formulating uh, his plans to basically hold on to power at all costs, uh, uh, the Constitution be damned and everyone and everything in government and all, uh, all precedent and, and all modes of behavior and all, uh, all, all oaths of office and everything else be damned. Perhaps the, the single most, and I, I, the, a real stomach cruncher for me yesterday, and, and there have been so many in the course of these hearings, but, but I think uh, it's the, probably the same one that many of you or many people listening uh, to the hearings, watching the hearings last night, they were on at 8 o'clock Eastern time here, um, it, it's, it has to do with a tweet that Donald Trump puts out I believe it was at 2.38 in the afternoon, and it becomes significant getting down to the minute. Uh, 2.38 in the afternoon um, of January 6th, as the breach of the Capitol, the breach of the Capitol had already happened. Uh, while Trump was speaking, the, the Proud Boys were already down there. Uh, the first barricades being manned by Capitol Police, or it might have been Metropolitan Police, whoever was beyond that first set, that had been pushed back already before Trump left the stage at the Ellipse. That was a, that's a fascinating bit of information that I, I, I had never really focused on before. This was planned, obviously. There, there was coordination. This, this, is, this is the unfolding of a larger process. But Trump leaves the stage. Uh, the, the number has been bandied about constantly. There are 187 minutes that go by from the time he leaves the stage at the Ellipse to the point when he finally, finally, uh, goes into the, I guess, into the Rose Garden and records a, uh, a brief speech telling the rioters that he loves them, that they're special to him. I don't think he's ever said, I love you to anybody uh, on, a, on, a, on any kind of uh, uh, public m mechanism, least, least his family, and uh, tells them to go home, at which point Many of them, most of them do. Uh, the, there is already, uh, by then, uh, National Guard and others have been called. By Mike Pence, it winds up, because Trump hasn't done a damn thing. But, but at 
while he's sitting in the private dining room off the Oval, Oval Office watching Fox television, absolutely with no call logs kept of that entire period, no, no meetings, no nothing there. He basically, uh, everything has been scrubbed. Well, we, we can imagine it's been scrubbed, as have Secret Service tapes been uh, accidentally lost of what was going on at that time. This is, this is all just amazing, amazing stuff that was coming out. At 2.38, after Mike Pence has been shuttled away uh, to safety uh, within feet of having rioters uh, basically intercept him uh, within within minutes, if not seconds, of having rioters basically run into him directly as he's moved downstairs to a safe location somewhere in the Capitol. We're, we're not allowed to know what it's called or exactly where it is, but clearly you go down the stairs to get to wherever they are. Um, and, 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 and brave types like Josh Hawley, who's fisting, fist bumping the, uh, the crowd as he walks to the Capitol in order to cast his vote to basically stop the steal for Trump. Uh, basically, you have images of him running across a hallway to get out of harm's way as the Capitol rioters are breaching it. It's, it, it's just an amazing assemblage of what's going on. But at 238, Trump puts out a tweet saying that Mike Pence has let us down. He's disappointed in Mike Pence. Mike Pence, who just ran for his life with Secret Service, and, and we, have, we have audio of Secret Service going back and forth, and there's other audio that we're still trying to get of Secret Service basically uh, calling their loved ones on the open mics that they have because it's all they've got. And essentially saying goodbye, I might not make it out of this. There's a lot of very, very emotional stuff going on here. With all that, Donald sends out a tweet at 2.38 saying, Mike Pence has let us down. And there are exact cutaways at 2.38, and you have it on the tape, that the, the crowd pushes that much forward and is re-energized because they're taking their direction from the Donald. And, and as I say, it, it, was, it, was a, it was a real inflection point, but one of the most sickening things I've ever seen. Uh, there's not much more... Well, I, I imagine the, the summation or whatever additional information uh, Liz Cheney and, and uh, Benny Thompson and everybody else will come up with and, 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 and Kinsinger and all these other people that have just brilliantly presented their, the, the information to the American people. I'm sure there's more, and I'm sure that it will only solidify the case against Donald. Where we are right now is is in a, I don't want to call it a state of limbo. There's no state of limbo about the culpability, about the, about the, basically the criminal liability, as far as I'm concerned, of Donald Trump. I, I can see making a case on so many levels, everything to do with the over, overthrowing the election, so just, just taking segments of it. There's so much that, that can be just, uh, cr there, there's criminality in Donald's activities 
at, at so many discrete points, but then there's the entire total, um, uh, the entire effort, the, the, the hub and spoke, the, the conspiracy notion. Um, I would be, I suppose, understanding how critical it is to keep Donald out of, keep the levers of government out of his hands permanently, and I understand that you're going to have a very hard time keeping him off some kind of microphone or some kind of bully pulpit of some value or another, quantitatively, qualitatively. He'll always have an audience ready to listen. But there, there has to be some way to basically make him pay a price. There, there has to be, in order for us to have anything resembling a belief in our judicial system, especially after the Supreme Court has essentially destroyed its own credibility, and Clarence Thomas on his own has come out and say, and we want to destroy it some more, there has to be something that gives us a big, jolting uh, image of the force and strength of the American judicial system to basically do its job even if it's the first time it's ever been called on to do a particular job because it's so intrinsically strong and it's designed to deal with difficult and unanticipated situations and we still have the strength to do that. We need to see something like that. And what we need to see clearly is an indictment coming from, uh, well, an indictment begun by the Department of Justice and essentially pushed through whichever one of the uh, federal districts uh, at the fed at the at the uh, at the uh, U.S. Attorney level that it goes through. It could be D.C., it could be New York. I don't know where it would actually be coming from. Very possibly D.C., and it would have to be. The case would have to be airtight and won. So, so, so structurally, what that case looks like, if, if, if Merrick Garland is going in the direction, decides to go in the direction of having a, uh, a, a RICO-type conspiracy situation, uh, modeling Donald as the Don, literally, of a crime syndicate, and, and, and pr approaching it that way, uh, that's one approach. Uh, other than taking individual, smaller, easier crimes, uh, I don't know. I, I, I would think with the Justice Department uh, and, and the history of the Justice Department, if you have a conspiracy, if you have a RICO conspiracy, you don't want to simply go and attempt to prosecute one very small part of that. You want to get the whole thing. The, the, the natural, the natural uh, movement, the natural uh, urges, if you will, of a functional Justice Department, and we didn't have a functional Justice Department, so certainly under Bill Barr and others, while it was all being Trumpified. Uh, now that it is reasonably, one would hope, reasonably functional, I can imagine uh, Merrick Garland wanting to go in that direction to be all-encompassing. But when? When might we expect something to happen? Garland, uh, two days ago at a press conference, made the point, he was asked again and again and again, well, not asked again and again, but he made the point, 
All guilty people will be prosecuted. No one is above the law. And, and some reporter shouts out, you could, you, they just, I could just see the, they, they, they did it in captioning to make sure you caught the comment. A report, does that include the, pres the, the former president or some words to that effect? And Garland, who never raises his voice, but might have gone up maybe four decibels and responded, I'll repeat what I said, no one is above the law. Now, that's as good as we're going to get from Merrick Garland for now. And what it means in terms of timing, what it means in terms of when he'll do an election, uh, when, he'll, when he'll finally begin uh, convening a, a specific grand jury that specifically involves Trump, what the components will be, will it, will it take into account financial things above and beyond January 6th, will it be a criminal enterprise thing on a huge scale, will there be individual counts that will allow a jury to convict him of one thing, perhaps not another, and on and on, and how this will all be laid out in terms of the, the logic and the probability, the provability of a case against Donald is unknown. There is a frustration because Donald continues to present the same lie over and over and over to the American people. He, in, 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 in pure Trump-like form, in the midst of all this, in the midst of all this evidence to the contrary, continues to repeat the same lie, to basically stoke the same anger, to basically, as Liz Cheney said in her closing statement last night, take advantage, corrupt, the, the patriotic uh, urges that his followers would otherwise have, but corrupt them with lies and misdirect them on his behalf. Turn them against the country in an effort to maintain his own power and for his own purposes, essentially misleading, grossly misleading the people that he basically claims to be uh, uh, supporting for his own sake and making fools out of all of them. Ultimately, we'll be making fools out of all of them. Now, watching this, sitting in any, in, being in any kind of rational place, somewhere outside of the, of the silo of information that seems to be, uh, that, that Trumpians limit themselves to, the, 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 the Fox News, the, the One America News, whatever the blogs are, whatever, whatever the social media posting is, whatever it is that could give people enough uh, reinforcement about Trump's lie to not allow them, not allow the reality, the facts, the, the, the ir irrefutable facts that disprove the, the, the stolen election concept to somehow leak into their consciousness. Whatever it is that's allowing that, Trump is able to, well, it's Trump, just the sheer force of his personality, the sheer force of his control over these people. They're stuck there. And because they're stuck there, and it's, it's a smaller and smaller group they basically represent, and Trump is still able to wield enough power 
to have most people, most Republicans, the cognoscenti of the Republicans, whatever that means, that might be Republican cognoscenti may be an oxymoron at this point, I don't know, but the people who seem to know uh, seem to be reacting as though Donald basically could take the nomination as his own were it his desire to do so. And Trump toys with this constantly. And so this, this, is, his, this is his mechanism for maintaining control and power. Uh, there was a very interesting thing that came out from Jonathan Swan with Axios. Uh, he, he, he mentioned it this morning. Apparently, there's something up, up on Axios right now. I want to look at this. He, he said that it's been a long time, there's been a long reporting on this. But going back to just around the election of 2020, uh, Donald Trump issued an executive order. And, and no one paid a lot of attention to it. But the executive order, remember, he's, this is near the end of his term. The executive order made it infinitely easier to get rid of career people in all those different departments of government that are under control of the executive branch. In other words, when, when, a, when a new president comes in, there's something in the range of about 4,000, what are referred to as political positions that the new president gets to fill. There are those people who were brought in by the prior administration, the prior president, the other party's people, uh, basically uh, leave, knowing, knowing that that's it. They're there. Uh, they have political tenure only. But there are career people, lots of really deep in the ranks career people who basically know that they are government employees with tenure or whatever the rules are and they're all well Donald Trump signed an executive order making all of those career people vulnerable and according to Jonathan Swan's reporting for Axios has been spending a lot of time over the last year and a half or so basically setting up uh, a, a, a very a much, much smaller group of people around him, of ultra-loyalists, Kool-Aid, not even Kool-Aid drinkers, people with the Kool-Aid in their veins. The, the, I don't know who these could be. I mean, it's, they're Rudies. There are people who are under indictment. There are people who are losing law licenses. I'm, I'm not sure who the names are. Probably some of the crazy, you know, the Jim Johnsons and, and all these really wackoberry, but, but, well, dangerous wackoberry types. These are the people that he's drawing around him. And a vetting process has been worked out that would basically be the basis for finding the people who would replace virtually the full structures of many of these uh, many of these brand, many of these departments that are under the control of the executive branch and things that are you know the department of the department of all the security all of the all of the security type areas are basically according to this reporting under absolute threat of being gutted and replaced with pure Trumpian stuff, pure Trumpian people, not just at the political replacement level that we expect of most presidents, of all presidents up to this point, but right into the ranks. This, this is where Trump is thinking and going. 
And it, and it makes perfect sense. This is what we have to be concerned about. Concerned is, is, put, is a very mild word under the circumstances. This is what we could expect if, God forbid, somehow Donald Trump were able to wrangle another term of office in 2024. I, I am, again, of, of a... I, I'm, of a, I'm of two minds on whether or not, A, he'll attempt to do it, and B, if he did attempt to do it, if he could possibly win. I, 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 I don't, I don't, I'm not positive about the first and, and very, very skeptical that he'd be able to win an election, especially after being indicted. And the Republicans seem to know that as well, that, that, that something as public and obvious as, and, and, and as unprecedented as the indictment of a former president, even among the Kool-Aid people, the people with the Kool-Aid in their veins, that is going to have quite literally a chilling effect on a lot of of otherwise Trump supporters, and it will basically modify his support, which is why you hear so much out there about replacements, which is why you keep hearing about the possibility of a Mike Pence run, which is why you hear, and I hear, a lot more about a, 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 a preference for a Ron DeSantis run, uh, who I consider probably a lot more dangerous than Donald because he's got a brain and he's got and he's got a philosophy and he probably would be more prone to restructuring government in the way uh, Donald wouldn't understand, whereas Donald sees it only for his personal benefit. A DeSantis has a has a broader picture of the country uh, and, and of course his 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 own place in it but not as not quite as narcissistic let's say as a trump and that's and that's dangerous just that one additional trump uh, one additional step beyond pure narcissism wielding that kind of power at a national level th that could be just as disastrous for our democracy as donald himself being in there so so the question the question remains when and how will Merrick Garland and the Justice Department deal with Donald and everybody else? If, if no one is above the law, as Merritt has told us, then when will we see the hand of the law reaching out and, and enforcing that con not, not concept, that reality. When will those who have touted the law and stuck their nose at it and, and basically say, go to hell, blah, 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 when will they finally begin feeling the law or see, when will we see the law do what the law should do? Now, there's one, I, I can it seems to have slipped by a bit on all, you know, in the middle of all this. Um, Steve Bannon. And, and, and a really, really fascinating case here. Fa disgusting, but fascinating at the same time. Steve Bannon is a vile, 
guy who basically is, you know, he, he just loves the notion of being all piss and vinegar and, and being out there and being a rabble rouser. And he loves being around powerful people. And, and he takes this aura of invincibility onto himself, this, this cloak of you can't touch me. The closer he gets to power around him, the more he feels it and the more he pumps it and the more he does everything else. And as you know, uh, he defied, well, so did Mark Meadows, but he and Mark Meadows both defied uh, subpoenas of the, of the January 6th committee to show up. Meadows so far has skated. But Bannon finally was indicted. Yeah, yeah, Merrick Garland's, uh, you know, uh, Justice Department finally indicted Bannon. Uh, I think it's, is it, is it taking place in, is it in Washington where the case was being, and Bannon was all piss and vinegar outside the courthouse, and this is all, we're going to take it down, and his attorneys were basically putting up one defense after the next about, okay, this is what needs to be, you know, and it was a political witch hunt, blah, 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 refused. Now the judge basically pretrial motions, no, this is not going to be permitted. No, there's executive privilege. No, that's already been argued. You don't have executive privilege. Well, there's blah, 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 all these different arguments. And when the, tri the trial, the, the jury selection took place over a day or so, and the trial is underway, and the, the government presented its entire case, and it was as straightforward as can be. There was a subpoena issued. The guy didn't respond to it. Therefore, he's guilty. You can't not do that. He knew it was a subpoena. He knew it was there. It's all there. It's blah, 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 blah. Here's it. Here it is for the record. Your Honor, it's all the jury, members of the jury. Here's what the guy did. He denied it. He said it. It's on tape. He said it. And he's been blah, 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 blah. That's it. We rest our case. You can't simply ignore a subpoena of the Congress of the United States. Here are the laws. Here are the, here are the liabilities that flow from that. Here are the punishments that go with it. You can't just wish it away because I'm close to Donald and I'm powerful. It's not a defense. There are no defenses. The prosecution rests. The defense steps up. And what does the defense offer as the theory of the case, its defense. I, I was shocked. No defense. Hear, hear me right. The defense chose, his attorney chose not to defend. We do not, are, well, the judge, you know, I, I, I heard this, I mean, the judge said, excuse me, uh, Mr. Bannon, or asked the attorney, uh, are, are you going to call any witnesses? Do you have any, do you, are you, are, do you have information or evidence that you want to present in your defense? No, Your Honor. Are, are you certain? Yes, Your Honor. No defense. And... <laughs> And after all this bluster and bravura, when push, this is, it reminded me of nothing so much as Rudy Giuliani going into court one of the 62 or 63 times. I, he wasn't in every one of those cases. But finally being outside and, you know, with his makeup dripping uh, news press conference in front, of a, in front of a hardware store or something. And, ah, we've got all, we got 10 billion signatures that we could prove were all lies. It was all dead, uh, dead migrants or whatever. And finally gets into court, and the judge says, well, show us your evidence. Oh, well, um, uh, we, we, we actually don't have any. This is the same Rudy Giuliani who's had his law license suspended in New York and, and uh, in Washington, D.C. It, 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 was, it was at that level.
And it, it, it was two things. It, it, it was both showing the weakness of these people, but simultaneously their contempt for our system of laws and and to me also an insight, a window into a mindset that says, as long as I'm around Donald, I have the same apparent air of invincibility that he has. But once the system, once our justice system flexes its muscles appropriately, it crumbles instantly. Now, I'm sure in the case of a Bannon, we'll be hearing something very shortly like uh, you know, uh, the, the, I, I, I don't recognize the system. It was a complete witch hunt. It made no sense to attempt to do anything, and I completely, I completely disregard or what words to that effect. As he is being convicted and then awaits sentencing, and he will do time. There's no way he's not going to do time for this. He must be made an object lesson. I believe he can be in prison anywhere from a few weeks to two years on, 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 the, on the charge of basically uh, denying or defying a, uh, a, uh, a, a, a subpoena from Congress. Uh, it used to be that uh, the imprisonment time, I can remember there were certain cases involving uh, reporters and I think, and I, forgive me, I know, I know I have the law thing and all that, but I, I, I don't know the specifics of, of these type cases. There was, a, a, I thought there was something that basically limited jail time to, this, to the duration of the Congress that essentially was defied in refusing to, uh, to respond to the subpoena. So I, I, I'm not sure what the, what the extent of the jail time will be, but there will be jail time associated with this. There's, there's no real way around that for Bannon. It's a first glimpse at what what we will see down the line. A, a Trump, of course, would try running and put his name out there with the wacky thought that if I'm up there as president, Merrick Garland and the Justice Department would never, he, he, is such a, he is such a traditionalist that he would, he would, in his mind, he's counting on Merrick Garland to say, well, it would be interfering with, an elect, with the election and I don't really want to, I don't want to be perceived as interfering with the election. So if Donald declares himself for the presidency before I've had a chance to indict him, well, I'll I'll just not do it because I don't want to be perceived. I'm not sure that, that Donald can count on that. And there would be no official declaration of him as a candidate other than his own self-declaration technically before uh, whatever would pass as a convention. The Republicans aren't going to, going to I don't know what, they would have to invent some kind of a body to uh, spontaneously uh, declare Donald the president, uh, presidential candidate two and a half years out, uh, two years out without any other, uh, no, it's, it's just not, it doesn't work that way. So when? It's when. When will Merrick Garland finally give us all the next glimpse of the system working? Somehow this, this Bannon thing, the Steve Bannon thing, I don't think has gotten the, uh, the attention it should be getting. With the last, well, the last for now hearing, apparently September there will be more, it, it may have been overshadowed. But Steve Bannon could not put up a defense 
would not put up a defense. I get, I, I don't believe in it. There's nothing to defend. It's only a witch hunt. So why even bother and go to prison? Good. That's it. Don't put up anything and go to prison. Or maybe you'll, you'll do whatever you want. Now, now, that, uh, now that someone who has more power than Donald has shown you what that power is, maybe you'll want to hang out with them. And, 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 and get, your, get your high, get your, get your, you know, your, your kitty high off of uh, the government and find some way to, uh, to basically work with the government to make things happen. I don't know. I do know that there will be no real sense of justice or the fact that the country is capable or that our, our system of, of justice is capable of meeting out justice until Donald is indicted and tried. And if he is indicted and tried, he damn well better be convicted. Because if this guy ever got off of, for anything, I mean, and there better be multiple crimes and there better be the opportunity for a, for a jury to find him guilty, to convict him on, on at least a few criminal charges. The guy cannot simply get off. And that would be another argument for why you'd really want to throw the book at the guy and charge him for everything and try everything. Get him at least on a few things. A few things that would basically give him, a, a, you know, a jumpsuit that goes with his hair. And make sure that that happens. And maybe add something to the sentencing that basically keeps him off the political stage. There's all sorts of things that can be done. Uh, I remember with, uh, with, with Roger Stone, gag orders were placed on him during the pendency period between uh, the, the uh, uh, I guess, even once the trial was in place, he was shut up. The judge set, uh, put, it, put a gag order on the entire, on everybody in the trial. They may do the same with Trump, shut him up. It's possible. I don't know how this is going to work out. All I know is I'm like the rest of America, the, the rest of rational America, the rest of, of non-Trump Kool-Aid in the blood America. And it's a, it's, it's a large chunk of the country, and the crazies are a smaller chunk. But Trump still has them, and they are a mechanism for him to sustain a, a perception of power. And with Trump, it's all about perception one way or the other. We've got to see the justice system working at the level of Donald. And until that happens, it's, it's, it's all, there, there's wrangling and there's talk and it moves in one direction and it might be going that way and we could, and there'll be all sorts of political debate and all sorts of commentators talking about, will he do it, won't he do it? No, Merrick Garland will never do it. Yes, he will, oh, he's gonna, well, you gotta give him time. All of that we can't be left with that debate as the last word on this, obviously. If we're going to have a country, the system must work. And for the system to work, Donald must be indicted, tried, and convicted. Now, when and how that happens, as they say, <laughs> that's why they play the games. In the meanwhile, of course, there'll be no, no shortage of, um, of speculation on all this. But I, I, I look to the Steve Bannon situation. And could you imagine Donald finding himself in court and suddenly deciding to offer no defense whatsoever, to try to turn himself into Donald, the ultimate political martyr, to go defenseless? Could, can you imagine that? Well, there really isn't going to be much of a defense for him on any of this. 
the most of whatever he'll put up for defenses, especially given the information that's out there, it will be it, again, if, the, if his attorneys want to basically, you know, uh, run the possibility of perjury for themselves and him, I mean, they could try it. I, I thought the election was stolen. But the, <laughs> perjury. No, you're lying. You're lying. You know damn well the election wasn't stolen. I had, I had a good faith belief. No, you didn't. We know that. Now let's go on from there. Well, I, I really have no defense. I'm nothing but a sack of hot air, uh, a man-child uh, neurotic, a clinical, a clinical pathological liar who basically, based on how I was raised and all of the things that went wrong in my childhood, have this sense that I am entitled to everything and anything I could ever want and I can do anything I want with it because no one has, con and, and on and on. Maybe, maybe they'll use a psychological defense. The dude's out of his mind. I'm sorry, Your Honor, you have to understand that this is, uh, I, I realize this, but my client basically, uh, uh, we are pleading a psychiatric defense. We'd, we'd like to have a psychiatric evaluation for, I, I don't know. But it could easily be a Steve Bannon situation. After all the bravura and the yelling and this, there's nothing there, nothing. Well, I'd like to put into evidence uh, all of the conspiracy theories that are currently floating around on Facebook right now. I'd like to put in all the chat columns uh, that all of the white supremacists have out there as evidence of what... No! <laughs> what, when you strip that away, what would Donald's defense be in a trial? He's, he's Steve Bannonized. And, and I foresee that as, as, a, as actually a likelihood... There's nothing there. Now, they'll try to extend it with motions as long as they can, but a lot of that won't stand up either. We've been through all this stuff in other forums, and I, I gather that a, a court will give Donald a lot of leeway, uh, given the fact that it's the first-of-its-kind prosecution of an American president, a former American president. But that will have to be weighed against the perception that the system is collapsing or, or crumbling under the weight of the, of the enormity of what it might be forced to do. We really don't want to face the possibility of ultimately convicting this guy. Oh, no, that's beyond... No, it, see, it can't do that either. I see a Bannon defense in Donald's future. I see him trying to create the perception of, a, of another presidential term. And like I say, the Axios reporting that Jonathan Swan has out there. He's trying to create this group of people around him. And it's going to be crazier and nuttier and more insane than anything you ever imagined. They will be totally loyal to Donald. and not. It's a losing strategy for a national election under the best of circumstances for Donald. And there is no defense out there, no rational theory of a case for him to present going into, except saying, well, I'm, I, I was just saying words and this is, you know, it's, I have a First Amendment right to basically lie my ass off and to basically uh, bring people who might otherwise be law-abiding and upright, bring them to riot at the Capitol, and to basically convince them that an election was stolen that wasn't. 
I, I, just, I just felt like saying it one day. I, I, I saw him the president. I, I have the same rights. To, there's no defense. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. And, and stay tuned to Center Left Radio because, well, after a, a short break here, we're going to have David Bach. So stay with us. And, and uh, as we go into that break, as we are prone to do, digest what we've basically been uh, uh, passing around so far, the, the appetizers. Uh, do it with, with a little jazz. This is Richard Gazer. 
You know, it takes lots of time and effort and all kinds of resources to produce the kind of quality program we produce here at Center Left Radio. And it costs money to do it. Now, if we screamed a little louder or thought a little less about what we were saying, we could probably get a few advertisers to pay us to sell their products to a more tribally predictable audience. But that's not who we are or who you are. You come to Center Left Radio for non-commercial, thoughtful commentary. You're looking for an honest, progressive approach to solving America's problems, not exacerbating them. And we're committed to providing all of that. We're one of the few stations offering full-time, non-commercial, progressive programming. And we're the only station, the only one, doing it with a combination of hope, politics, and that most eloquent of all original American art forms, jazz. Think of it this way. We support your needs. Now we're asking you to support ours. Take a moment and go to our website, www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com, and go to the donate page. And when you get there, give whatever you can on a one-time or maybe a recurring basis, $5, $10, $1,000, whatever you can contribute to make Center Left Radio's unique progressive voice stronger and even more significant as the full extent of the wrongdoing of Donald Trump and his associates becomes all the more evident. And as we seek to hold the House Democrats accountable for the promises they made to the American people during the last election. Yeah, you know what's at stake. And I know, we all know, we can count on you. On behalf of all of us at Center Left Radio, thank you. You're listening to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz, and you're listening to us on the web at www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com. It is Friday. It is the 22nd of July. It is the fourth or fifth day of a heat wave. It is uh, the same madness continues, uh, and fortunately... Fortunately, our vehicle for approaching sanity, or at least comprehending the insanity that's out there, uh, is uh, with us and among us. I go no further. David, what's on your mind? Uh, well, there's a lot. Um, they, and honestly, there's some things that I just haven't had time to keep up with just due to my schedule. But if you want to hear more about what I talk about, you can find me at twitch.tv slash freshfacesnewideas. And you can find me on Twitter at Faces Ideas. Um, so uh, th- there's between the obvious heat wave, um, the the January 6th commission that I actually happened to watch uh, last night, yeah, most of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then the bills being passed, there's a lot going on. There's also some bad things that are happening, um, just in general. So last night, apparently, somebody attacked Lee Zeldin. Um, if those of you who don't know who that is, he is the uh, the Republican gubernatorial candidate for New York. Um, he is okay. Uh, I, didn't, do I didn't hear about this. Where, so where where any particulars uh, on that? Or I didn't. I think somebody that. tried to stab him in Rochester. Oh damn! Wow. Um, look, that's not acceptable. I know Kathy Hochul has already denounced it. Look, Lee Zeldin would be a terrible governor. Well, of course. Um. But you don't need to try to kill a guy. 
No, you that, need, that's unacceptable. You need we, you need to unvote uh, unvote him is what you need to do. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, on the other hand, hand of the coin, this is something that has brought me much happiness this week. Um, John Fetterman. Um, for those of you who don't know who he is, he is the lieutenant governor of Pennsylvania. He is running against Dr. Oz for Senate. Yeah. Uh, so there's two things to know about this. One, John Fetterman is going to kick Dr. Oz's ass from a basement. Why do I say that? Right before the primary, John Fetterman had it was a, a had a heart attack, I believe it was. It was a stroke, actually. Yeah, he had a stroke. It was a stroke. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he had to be hospitalized. So he's yeah. basically been recovering for the past month, month and a half. I don't remember when they yeah. were. Yeah, yeah, close to that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and in that time, he's basically uh, campaigning by social media. So one of the things he's doing is reminding that Pennsylvanians, the doctor is from New Jersey. Um, and a good way he has done that is basically take anything Dr. Oz has said and remind people of that. He's also had a cameo with Snooki. He hired a plane to to uh, fly over um, uh, Dr. Oz's house to say, uh, welcome home, Dr. Oz. Uh, Dr. Oz <laughs> shot a cameo from, shot a uh, commercial from his, his mansion in New Jersey. Uh, it's been like truly excellent to watch. Uh, uh, John Fetterman troll him into into winning. So I think he's up like double digits. Uh, Warnock looks like he's going to uh, probably beat Herschel Walker. Uh, so those are good. Now, the good news to both of these is if they win is, and this is my hope, is the Democrats managed to squeak out control of the House. They managed to hold the Senate. But because I sure the part similar to Warnock and Fetterman than the current structure. This is idea is because David, 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 we're losing you a bit. Uh, could uh, is it a, is it a, is it a distance or a what? What might it be? Uh, no, it's no. There you are. Connection. You're good now. You're good now. Okay, go ahead. Yep. Okay. Um, so ideally, more like Warner and uh, Fetterman future current. Uh, now, hope have the ability to, you know, actually pass legislation from 22 to 24 to get mission up on the off chance job of a president. Because I would rather some combination of of Warnock and Herman versus Combo. Um of which Joe Biden is COVID. And that's not good. Now, we have to also talk about a couple of things. So um, just because you are double vaccinated, you have the boosters, doesn't mean you can't get COVID. That's, new, that, that's apparent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This new strain is very strong. Now, the other thing to this is this does not mean that past statements are accurate. So this is the analogy that I want to, that I, that I've started to use for this. If I yell, it's six o'clock every single hour. And eventually it becomes six o'clock. It doesn't mean I'm right when I yell it at six at two when it's six. Yeah. So past statements don't automatically correlate to current timing 
without evidence. So the thing that people would see is the uh, at least that I saw is, oh, Joe Biden says it's a it's a, a pandemic of the unvaccinated. It still is. They are still the ones who are more likely to die. Yep. You can still get COVID. You can still have negative symptoms. You can still have long COVID with the vaccine. But it is less likely that you're going to end up dead. Yeah, that's true. And that is the important factor. Yep. So there is that. Um, now, let's get on to some of the the other things, the, the January 6th commission and the, uh, the bill. So... The January 6th Commission had their last hearing through September, till September. Now, right. I disagree. I think they should put one on Tuesday morning. Um, I think it would be funny as hell. This this I coming think, Tuesday morning. This coming Tuesday, because Donald Trump is going to Washington to do a uh, policy speech, which is a really weird thing for a private citizen to do. A policy speech? I, I haven't heard much about what kind of a policy. Did, <laughs> what are we talking about? I haven't heard about this. Yes. It's, he's, he has some event. It's basically the theory is this is where he's going to announce that he's going to run for 2024. Oh, I, geez. Isn't that, I, I, honest to God, I'm, uh, forgive my, forgive my, uh, my, my not being uh, as up to, uh, up to snuff about this as I should be, but this is news to me. I haven't been paying attention. Is, 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 it, is it just him saying this or do you, do you really expect him to show up? No, no, no. They have like an event. It's like a multi-day event. Oh, okay, okay. Is it an NRA thing or? Someone? I don't. I don't know who's putting it on. It might be just his his whoever sets up his event. His like random speeches now. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he's slated to go on Tuesday afternoon, which is the second day. Okay. What the committee should do is have a surprise hearing that morning, huh. because what would happen is if there's a hearing, it will throw him off. And then in like four seconds, he will get off topic and start complaining about stuff. And it will just be another meandering speech that nobody has to pay attention to. That's, that's an int- these, yeah, yeah. These hearings are like unbelievably devastating. <laughs> now, to be fair, so I, have you, did you see the last one? I saw, I was up all, I was up last night until after 11 o'clock watching it. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Now. I don't know if it was just me or because the other ones have been so different. This one didn't feel like it punched as hard. Like there was definitely stuff in it. Like certainly when we were listening to the uh, Mike Pence's security talk about them getting him out. Yeah. I had a very similar thought to Chris Hayes. It'd be really nice to know what the Secret Service was saying at this point. Right. Which they've, um, which they've politely managed to lose. I, I'm, I'm not convinced that that's going to be the last word on that either by a long shot. And I, by the way, I agree with you that, and especially in the first hour, I, until the very closing of the first hour, I was really getting this, well, you know, I've seen all this before. I kind of don't feel this is as strong a punch, but what you got basically was was sequence being nailed down and they had to go, at least the way i read it they had to go through a lot of that sequence to get you to the to the 238 uh text message saying that Pence has let us down and then showing what was happening and how it suddenly invigorated the crowd to get even crazier and and more violent and all that other stuff but no it it didn't have the first punch the first the strength and they did repeat a lot of stuff that they've done in in prior in prior hearings that's another thing right and then look 
the thing is, what they were talking about is important because it is very weird that well over a year later, we're still not entirely sure what steps the president of the United States took during those 187 minutes. And apparently we'll not learn a lot of that ever because of the complete absence of logs, unless, of course, you get him on a stand and you get him or you get people who, who, who would have known on the stand to be very, very specific about it. Or you get cell phone records or you find out uh, which senators he was calling. And we seem to have some of that. But a lot of it, I mean, in total violation of the of the of the uh, of the Presidential Records Act and everything else, we don't have a damn thing on, which which should be condemning in and of itself, and basically is a is a criminal offense to begin with, at least a misdemeanor. So you know, <laughs> wherever you go from there. Well, yes, the uh, um, I believe the Secret Service is now under investigation yep. for what is happening. Yep. But but well, right now that investigation is by DHS, the Inspector General of the Department of Homeland Security, who was the same was a Trump appointee, and the implication being that he's no well not that the fact is that he's known about all this and he's known about the erased uh, 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 Secret Service uh, texts back and forth for months never informed the January 6th committee, and when it's finally all brought to light, he instantly, finally now, suddenly decides to do a criminal probe of what's going on. I don't know. Is that supposed to get the the Justice Department off its game or something? I don't know what that's about, but it doesn't sound anywhere near kosher. So that's where we stand right now. At least that's as much as I've heard so far. Right. Um, so, like, look, the hearings, it's, it's a lot. It, it, like, every time they show the violence and this stuff, it, it, is, it is very harrowing to look at it. Yeah. yeah. Um, I wish we, you know, were tying more of the senators and stuff into what happened that day, the people who, like, helped push it. We have that, we have that now infamous uh, clip of Josh Hawley running. Oh, which, oh, that's uh, <laughs> oh, hysterical. Wow. Oh, that's that. uh, I think if if Josh Hawley had any presidential um, aspirations, they've now died. There, there was an. By the way, and I don't know if I I only caught this later. Uh, I I didn't see it last night. Maybe I looked away or something. But apparently, after you see him running across the hallway, they run the tape a bit longer with audio. And the people who watched him running, there is this sudden spontaneous outburst of laughter and chuckles at that. And, and it was shown this morning on something that I, it was either CNN or MSNBC showed it. And when I saw that, I, my thoughts about what you're just saying right now, David, I could not agree more. This guy doesn't have a, a snowball's chance in hell of imagining that he could keep anything going here. But, but, but that should be extrapolated outward. I agree with you completely. That should be extrapolated outward to the other uh, loving Republican senators, the other lovers of democracy and truth and justice and fairness, uh, who all probably were doing far worse than Josh Hawley. Yeah, and let's, let's not forget that like the people, some of the people who are not like testifying, or at least openly testifying. Um, as far as I know, Mo Brooks hasn't testified. Um, no. Mo Brooks literally has nothing to lose. He lost his race. I still don't think we have an answer for why he was wearing body armor. On yeah, that, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, during that speech. Um, that, I mean, granted, we know the president knew they had weapons. 
Yeah. I don't know if the the piece, the speakers knew that they had weapons, and then he somehow figured out how to get body armor after the fact. I don't know, man. There's there's just too many questions. So maybe but let's move on to the policy points. So um, let's start with the bad news. Uh, Joe Manchin wants the planet to burn. Um, so Joe Manchin has decided we're not going to do anything about climate change, as we're looking at. A uh, heat wave in Europe that appeared to be 30 years ahead of the model, which, uh, you know, that's fun. Yeah, um, yeah. I believe the last time I looked, it was like 1,100 people died in Spain. Oh, God. Uh, they just, the, the, they can't do flights in London because the asphalt is melting. <laughs> and uh, there's fires everywhere. Uh, Texas is also going through its own problems with massive heat uh, blackouts because. It has been more important in Texas to go after uh, women and LGB people and and history and teachers than anything else. Than to join than to join their electric uh, system onto the national grid. No, they they, they can't do that. They can't for, do that. No. Or to prepare it for uh, the, the heat. Now look, we we have to be clear about this. The transition to green without the use of nuclear is not going to be super smooth. We have to invest in nuclear because it is the most efficient energy source. I've heard more and more people saying that. People who I had heard saying precisely the opposite <clears throat> three years ago, five years ago, are, are coming back on board or coming on board for the first time saying that, that responsibly and carefully handled nuclear is going to have to be part of the transitional uh, mechanism that we we may eventually get to a a point where we no longer need the nuclear, but we do have to have it as a initial mechanism or part of the mix to get off of fossil fuels. I I I, I totally agree. Right, that's like like there's so much evidence that I've talked to uh, a guy who who is an advocate for this a couple times, and he's you know he was telling me about how. Uh, basically, the fuel rod stuff is is not a huge issue. A lot of it can actually be used later. Um, it the biggest problem is basically how long it takes to bring these reactors online. They yeah, the big ones and then doing little ones. Yeah, um, yeah. But they can be built pretty, much, and you can subsidize it and stuff. Anyway, uh, so back to Joe Manchin. Uh, this is like the third time Joe Manchin has killed the Biden agenda. Um, part of there was a report out like two days before he did this that the Biden administration and Joe Manchin are doing this dance, that the Biden administration was waiting to uh, approve some leases for, for drilling until Joe Manchin signed on the climate agenda. And Joe Manchin wouldn't sign until they did this. And they didn't want to approve the, the, the leases before Joe Manchin signed in case, you know, Joe Manchin said, fuck you, now I'm not going to sign anyway. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Now yeah. that he said he's not going to sign, just kill them all. There's no reason to, to invest in them. If, you, if you're not going to play carrot, if you're not going to play for this big carrot, you get the stick. Uh, there's no reason to treat Joe Manchin as a um, as a good faith actor. Uh, he has shown time and time again he's not. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a reminder: the bill when he killed Build Back Better in March or whenever the hell he did it, that was his bill. That's that that's, that's bill. right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. The bill that passed the Senate and went to the House was Joe Manchin's bill. He wrote the bill. He 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 signed off on. It. What happened after the House passed it is a um, they have to reconcile. 
They have to basically go back and forth and discuss, okay, well, this is different. That's different. Let, what are we going to keep? What are we going to cut? And Joe Manchin said, no, I'm not even going to do that. This bill is dead. This is my bill. I, so he won't even do his own bill. That's, that's what we're looking at. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, one more thing on the Senate. Uh, Chuck Schumer is awful. Holy crap, is he terrible. I do not understand the rationale for not bringing every single one of these bills that have passed the House to the floor Immediately. Immediately. Yeah. Screw your yeah. recess. It'll take you <clears throat> it'll take you two days to do the four votes for these bills. Um and just just do it. Yeah. Let every single Republican vote against codifying gay marriage, I codifying mean, the uh protections for contraceptions, codifying uh interracial marriage. Yeah. And let them because they're squirrely. The longer you give them to think of smart ways or to change the subject or for the next mass shooting to happen or whatever um, whatever they're going to complain about next, uh, the more people ignore it. This is the winning issue you're going to be able to run on because you refuse to pass basic common sense legislation exactly. or Joe Biden refuses to legalize marijuana. D David, um, have, have, you, have you seen the ads that, what's his name, what's his first name, Goldman, uh, who's running uh, now in that, in that newly formed uh, district here in New York, have you seen his TV ads, uh, how he presents, how he frames, um, he basically gets voting choice, safety, planetary integrity, and democracy itself. He gets, he says it that succinctly, and that's the difference between him and his opposition. And I, I've what? never seen a better ad in my entire, it's one of the best political ads I've ever seen. And no, he gets I that out there. It's, it's that, beautiful. Um, I'm going to be honest, the, the 10th district race makes me sad yeah, um, yeah. because... Uh, uh, Mondaire Jones is running in it. Yeah. And the reason for that is because the uh, the head of this house, uh, DCCC, uh, Pat uh, Patrick Maloney, is a, is a fucking coward and um, ran away from his slightly harder district to Mondaire Jones' district, which is my district. Yep, mine also. And, and Mondaire Jones, thankfully, did the right thing and didn't challenge Jamal Bowman, but went to the 10th district. So and, yeah. uh, there, was a, there was a story in The Intercept recently uh, about... Uh, Patrick uh, Maloney, that he, there was a, a plant that Mondaire Jones was opposing. And Maloney, in public, was against it. But in private, he was for it. And he, he got mad at Mondaire Jones for coming out publicly about it. He's like, listen, I can't run ads talking about this if you're going to contradict me on it. Mondaire Jones like, screw you. Also, we need Mondaire Jones in office because he's like, one of nine gay, not, not identity politics, but having a actual gay person talking about this stuff is is important. Yeah, I uh, for for, the, for anyone listening who thinks that 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 Democrats are somehow, I mean, you know, other than Joe Manchin, that Democrats are other are somehow a a uniform, absolute monolithic block. Uh, here is uh, your insight into the realities of all uh, intramural Democratic politics. There's Plenty, plenty of, 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 of push and shove, but uh, there should be more direct confrontation of Republicans. Going back to your earlier point about uh, Chuck Schumer and not bringing these things to a vote instantaneously. I don't, I don't get it. I just don't get it. Yeah, look, it doesn't. So the bills we're talking about. So last night or, or two days ago, 195, 197 
Republicans voted against codifying uh, contraception. Yeah. Contraceptions. Yeah. Look. This every single time we talk about this, it's the, the pro-life argument is hypocritical as fuck. Yeah. Uh, okay, you don't want you want to force ten-year-olds to have a baby, which is a thing that happens. We, besides that massive story in Ohio um, last year, there was fifty-two children, fifteen or younger, who had an abortion, which translates to one child a week. Yeah, yeah. To be clear, a ten-year-old cannot have a child outside of the processes of rape. A 10-year-old cannot consent to sex. Yeah. Yeah. That's what they're advocating for. And I want to say in Ohio, their party platform basically says that we will bring the fetus to the the baby to birth even if it kills the mother. That there's no exceptions even for the, the life of the mother. Yeah, they're, they're, these people are on. It's a lose. It's a losing position. Certainly in a national election, uh, it, it's these are a bunch of chihuahuas who've been ta- chasing an eighteen wheeler for fifty years. The, this, the, 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 the eighteen wheeler finally had to stop for gas. The chihuahuas dig their teeth and their nails into the tires. They finally gotten it, and. The cho- and then the 18 wheeler begins to roll again, and and I think that's kind of what we're seeing here, and what and what's going to happen as we go forward. This is insanity. Their positions are nuts, but it, it it's uh it, it's what they've chosen to do. It's this 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 absolute paranoid approach to politics. It's beyond it's beyond culture wars. It's beyond everything. It's. It's all spur- it's all basically spurned by this Donald thing that basically says we can go against anyone or anything and as long as we're against your side you'll be with us that that seems to be the rationale um, that shall change and it's it's going to be fascinating to watch this as we go deeper and further along in the uh, the primary trail as we get closer to the elections David I have no doubt that you're going to be giving us everything we need to know as we go along it, the trail that being. Uh, can you, again, let people know where they can hear you when they're not listening to you on Center Left Radio? Yeah, you can find me at twitch.tv slash freshfacesnewideas and on Twitter at facesideas. And as always, uh, I thank you so much for your insight. We could probably go on for another hour, but that's what we'll, we'll save that for our next pass. And, uh, and again, David, thank you so much for being part of the show today. Uh, as always, as we get to this point on a Friday afternoon, well, it's not a Friday afternoon. Maybe you're listening to it on a Friday afternoon, but it's still pretty early on Friday morning, one way or the other. Uh, sit back, think about what we're saying, and please do it with a little jazz.
listening to Central F Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. My name is Richard Gazer, and thank you once again for being part of today's show. Yes, the January 6th hearing is powerful as ever last night, but missed under the radar somewhat is what happened at the Steve Bannon trial yesterday. The prosecution got through its case in about a day, a day and a half, leaving it all now to Bannon and his defense. Mr. Bannon, what is your defense? Your Honor... We have none. Is this a prediction of things to come for January 6th defendants?